Thank you for listening to A Call to Freedom, the audio podcast of Freedom Ministries Church located in Apopka, Florida. I'm Pastor Freddie Fillmore Sr., and I want to welcome you to our church. You can watch our broadcast online every Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can also join us for Shabbat prayer every Tuesday at 7 p.m. and Bible study at 7 p.m. on Thursday. For more information on how to watch or to submit a prayer request, please visit our website, acalltofreedom.com, or visit us on social media. The information is also listed in the show notes to this podcast. It is my desire that the message this week blesses challenges and encourage you in your walk of faith. Thank you again for joining us and I pray you enjoy the word. Good afternoon. My name is Pastor Gurley and I'd like to welcome you to another worship service, Freedom Ministries Church in Apopka, Florida. Our pastor is Freddie Fillmore Sr. We worship every Sunday at 12 o'clock p.m. So we want to invite you to join in and to be blessed. I guarantee you that you will be blessed and you'll be challenged to dig deeper in, as they say, go to higher heights. Also, on Tuesdays, we have Shabbat prayer, which is at 7 o'clock p.m. You can call in, you can dial in, you can join the Zoom conversation. We believe that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous Avail much. So we love to pray. And we'd love to know what's going on with you and your family, your circumstances, and your issues, so that we can uh, lift that up with you in prayer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then on Thursdays, we have our regular Bible study where we are continuing our systematic teaching of the Word of God, and that is done by uh, our pastor, Pastor Freddie Fillmore. So I want to invite you to join in in that study, which is also on Thursdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Now today, I want to spend some time talking to you about uh, good religion. I'm reminded of the fact that uh, when we were growing up, we used to sing a song, Do You Have Good Religion? And it was a call and response. Certainly, Lord. Do you have good religion? Certainly, Lord. So we want to talk about Today, good religion. And the particular passage of scriptures that we will be looking at uh, is Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. But before we do that, will you join me for a quick moment of prayer? Father, we thank you this day. As always, it is our great privilege and our great honor to come into your house. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, Father, that you are in the midst. And Father, we are not physically together, but we are together in spirit. Lord, we have been joined together. We are all gathering together on this particular afternoon in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is also our Lord. So bless this time, Lord, and let the words that are spoken in this house today, Father, we pray that it would find a place in someone's heart, that it would be a source of encouragement a source of motivation, whatever it needs to do for whatever person it needs to reach, Lord, I pray that it will do that. And Father, we thank you in advance uh, for this opportunity to study your word. Amen. Now, 
I want to give you a moment to grab your Bibles, uh, because this is church, and I want you to join me over in the book of Matthew, chapter 15. And as always, what I'd like to do is, is take some time and set this up. Now, Jesus was a phenomenon in his day. That's an understatement. And the people were divided. Those that loved him, loved him. Those that hated him, hated him with a, with a fervor. And, and, the, and the dividing line was roughly the ordinary people and the people who were in positions of uh, leadership. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the members of the Sanhedrin, who previously or prior to the arrival of Jesus on the scene had great status and everyone looked at them as though that they were, as we say, the junk in the marketplaces of life when they prayed the long prayers and they wore those fancy robes. But Jesus came along and he wasn't wearing uh, fancy clothing and he wasn't praying lofty uh, uh, prayers with repetition, but he was just doing the work. He was just bringing people out of the darkness into the marvelous light. There was something magnanimous. There was something different. There was something special. Of course there was something special about Jesus because he was God incarnate, which means God wrapped up in human flesh. And the Pharisees were hating on him, and they were always in the crowd, on the periphery, trying to find a basis to accuse him of something so that they could get him out off the scene. Because he was blocking their shine. And as it is often the case, if you can't find something wrong with the leaders, then you look maybe for uh, something that, that is wrong with the people that hang around him. So you can discredit him by association. And so on this particular day, uh, the Pharisees were studying uh, Jesus' disciples. And wow, they observed something. Oh, we got you now. Oh, yeah, this is so egregious. Your disciples are eating bread without washing their hands. Wow, that's major, right? Now, there was nothing in the commandments of God that spoke to whether or not someone should wash their hands before they ate bread or anything else. But that was one of the traditions of the elders, one of the rituals and one of the rules that had been established over time. And they were ready to take action and they were trying to hem Jesus in and to get him to take a position. And and very often they, they would do that. They would try to get him to to go into box A or to box B so that they can label him. But Jesus was always two steps ahead of them. And so they asked him, well, why does your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? And he asked them a question. He said, why do you violate the commandment of God? And so that's where I want to pick up reading and because of my seasoned amount of years that I've lived on planet Earth, I'm going to put these assistants on. And um, I'll start reading, if you want to join me, uh, at verse 4. Now, now, Jesus says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, now I want to just point out something. 
Whenever you hear the word but that comes after a long statement, what you should know is that the word but is a term of negation. If someone says to you, I really like you and I want to spend some time with you and you really are a very special person, but what comes after the but is what they really think about you and the verdict comes after the but. Very often, what follows the but is not good. Now, in the context of this conversation, uh, but ye say, whosoever shall say unto his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of non effect by your tradition. Now, I want to say that one of the things that Jesus uh, uh, points out about religion, man's religion, is that at some point it's just an add-on. We, we are so arrogant in our, in our lack of information. Lack of information causes us to be arrogant. We don't even know what we don't know, so we think that we know more than we know. And that may seem, that may seem like circular talk, but when you have limited information, and you don't know that there's more information out there to be had, you think you know everything. So in the context of this conversation, what what Jesus is saying is your commandments, which you added on because you felt like God needed a little help, the, the, the commandments that he gave Moses were not enough, were not adequate, were not sufficient, so we added some traditions. But at some point, and this is, this is, this is, like science. This is like clockwork. When men begin to add on to the word of God or to take away from it, it ends up causing them to walk up, to walk in and to end up in error. At some point, without fail, men begin to elevate their standards, their statutes, their traditions, their values above that which God has already ordained and commanded. And so, Jesus is, as we say in the vernacular, Jesus is getting right back with them. And if I were to put it in the words that, that we would speak today, Jesus is like, man, you come in here talking to me about my disciples not washing their hands and you're disrespecting your mother and father. Your mother and father are living over there in a broken down shack eating dog food. Because they need to pay for their medications and they don't have enough money. And you sitting there with a fat bank account saying, I've devoted this and I've sanctified this and set it aside for God. You don't have a clue about what it means to be godly. Now, keep in mind what we're talking about is, uh, or the question that we're asking is, do you have good religion? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they thought that they had good religion. But what they were doing is that they were measuring their religion and their righteousness by their own standards. And the thing is that when we begin to measure our righteousness and our acceptance, our acceptance to God, or whether we think God accepts us based upon our own standards, we're always going to miss it. Well, let me read on. You honor, and I'm back at verse 6, and honor not his mother and father or mother, he shall be free. 
Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. And I say to you, my brothers and sisters, that that's still going on today. That we have people who are so into their tradition, so into their denominations, so into their religious philosophies and ideologies that they push God's word out of the house of God. Let me read on. Now then, if that is what you're doing, Jesus has a word for that. It's found in verse 7. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah or Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But remember what I just said about the word, but it is a term of negation. Their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now then, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, because Jesus is just quoted from Isaiah. I want to read it the way that Isaiah said it, and then we'll, we'll discuss it. Wherefore the Lord said, this is 29, 13. For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Now, I'm going to try to do a visual here. So what God is saying is this. On the surface, if this is God over here for reference point. You are drawing close to me. I love you, God. You're wonderful. I stand for this. I'm against this. You're talking a good game. But your heart, if you look at what he said in Isaiah chapter 29, 13, you are removing your heart. This is a visual of hypocrisy. If we can construe ourselves as layered individuals, right? You know, people can hear my words they can, to some degree, see my actions, but they can never see my heart. God is able to see us from top to bottom at every layer. And a picture of hypocrisy is, is that we're pretending to be one thing on the surface, moving toward God. This, you know, in terms of what we say, but moving away from him in terms of where the commitment of our heart is. Now... So if I had to put this into some type of a sorting uh, box, boxes that to sort out what Jesus is talking about, and particularly what I just read in Matthew chapter 29, verse 13, the first thing uh, he says is that they draw near to him uh, with their words. Well, so I would say this is a discussion about words, worship, and works. Now, what's the words? How do we draw nigh to God with our words? No, we, we see it, we hear it every day. I am a Baptist, and I believe X and Y and Z. I believe that all people are created equal. I believe this, I believe that. Or we say it in the negative I am against X. I am against why I am against. And so we, 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 we 
chart out our positions, things that we think are righteous positions to take. We stand for certain things and we, we stand against certain things. And as you, if you've heard me talk before, I've told you that, you know, if you go to church long enough, you know how to sound, how to talk uh, righteously, right? How to take the proper positions on the proper issues. So what God is saying and what Jesus is reiterating here is, look, you guys got this thing all figured out. You know how to articulate a good commitment to me. But so that's the words. So that, that's, that's covered in, in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And it's also covered in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, where words. But then the next thing that Jesus said, and I had to spend some time thinking about it, what Isaiah said also, is that you draw nigh to me with your mouth, but also you honor me with your lips. What is that talking about? I mean, isn't the mouth and the lips, isn't that essentially the same thought? Well, no, actually what he was talking about upon further reflection is that there's a worship piece to our religion, right? I mean, we stake out our positions, the things that we believe, the things that we're for. But when we come into the house of God and we lift our hands and we say, Lord, we exalt you, we bless you, we magnify you, we love you. We do all of those wonderful things. We adorn him with the words that come out of our mouths. That's the worship piece of that. And what God says is, look, I see, you, I see you talking about the things that you believe in. I see you taking the positions on certain issues. And when you come to church, you sound so wonderful and you sound so lovely. You look so lovely. But your hearts are far from me. And what I want to suggest to you today is that God is concerned about what's going on in our hearts. Now David said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against you. Because the party, the real deal, the control center, the nerve center for all of human behavior is the heart. And there are a lot of people, you may know some of those people, you may be some of those people, who've got it figured out in terms of the worship, who got it figured out in terms of the words, but who's totally missing God and not construing what God is about at the heart level. God wants you to convert your heart. And you know what? It is true that there's some association and some connection between the words that come out of my mouth and what's in my heart. But hypocrites, hypocrites, not regular ordinary sinners, but hypocrites know how to mask that too and how to play that game with choosing their words. So there's a deeper level of, 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 of examination that lets us know what's in a person's heart, and that's our actions. So there is a connection between uh, my works and what's actually in my heart. And I want to reference a scripture that talks about this. If we go further back to Matthew just for a moment, and I apologize for bouncing, but I just want to make sure I'm getting it comprehensively. Back to chapter uh, 15 in the book of Matthew. 
And Jesus is, actually, I'll start at verse 17. Do you not yet understand? Because after Jesus had spoken to the crowd and the Pharisees went away huffy, they were offended. This is what the disciples told Jesus. Do you know you offended them? They mad, man. They upset. And Jesus said, listen, every tree that my my father has not planted will be uprooted. But he said to them, do you yet do you not yet understand that whatsoever entereth in entereth in at the mouth go into the belly and is cast out in the drought? You understand what he's saying. But the things which proceed out of the mouth coming from the heart and they defile the man for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, theft. False witness, blasphemies. These are the things that it doesn't matter what you're saying with your mouth. It doesn't matter how beautifully you sing. If you are committing theft, if you are committing blasphemy, if you're committing adultery, if you are committing uh, any of these uh, things that Jesus lists in Matthew chapter uh, 19 and 20, then you don't have good religion because the question that we're dealing with is, what does good religion look like? And you might have, if you've tuned into the to the the last time that I spoke, I was talking about the fruits of repentance. And there's a theme, there's a through line in terms of what I'm trying to to discuss uh, this year, and that is, let's get down to practical, real religion. Religion and commitment to God and and relationship with God is more than a warm, fuzzy feeling. It is manifested in how we live our life on the ground when we walk out the doors of the sanctuary. And so then, if I have good religion, then I'm not going to be lying. I'm not going to be blaspheming. I'm not going to be committing adultery. It doesn't matter if I take the position that, and I'm, and I'm not trying to call anyone, whether I'm pro-life or pro-choice, uh, if I'm committing adultery, I'm going to go to hell if I don't repent. And I'm not going to get a pass on that. Now, what I'm saying to you may seem like, of course that's the truth, but think about it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were monitoring and observing very carefully their precepts and their traditions, and they were rejecting and making of non-effect God's commandments, and they felt like they were on good terms with God. That's the delusion that can come to us, that can befall us when we get caught up in fake religion or vain religion, bad religion, false religion. Man is the origin of false religion, and, and by extension, uh, by extrapolation, Satan is the, the author of false religion. And typically, it, for us as Christians, when we hear the term false religion, we think about other world religions, right? We may think about, uh, you name the major world religion, if it's not Christian, we think, well, that's what it's meant. But actually, we can call ourselves Christians and be in a false religion. You, you need to understand that. 
any religion or any tradition or any doctrine that tells you you can live your life inconsistent with what God has clearly said in his word and still be on good terms with God, that's a false religion. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And so the Pharisees, who were people of status, uh, the scribes, the elders, the teachers, they were people of influence, they were people of, of knowledge. And they were keeping the, tradition, uh, the traditions of men, and so they felt good about themselves. But they were doing some of these things, these basic things, that God says he hates. They were oppressing widows. How can you have the love of God in you? How can you say that you're walking closely with God? How can you say that you're committed to the things of God if you're doing all of these things? So now, again, if I'm categorizing it, words are important. I'm not trying to to play down the significance of words. We do need to watch what we say and we do need to say the right things. And when we come into the house of God, we do need to give him praise. We do need to tell him how much we appreciate him and love him. We, we do need to lavish our praise on him because he is so worthy. He's so deserving of that, but we have to go further than that. We come to this place, to this sacred house. We come to receive the word of God, to be built up in our faith so that we may go out and live it. We must live this faith. We must walk in this faith. Words and worship is is not enough. So then, let me bring you to the last thought. I've told you about the bad works that come from the heart, or Jesus told you in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 and 19 and 20, talks about the fact that it's the heart that influences man's behavior. So, James talks about what is good religion or pure religion in his book, chapter 1, verse 27, James tells us that good religion or pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. And that's a great summary. Because if you think about what James is saying, he's saying that if you have the love of Jesus in your heart, if you're actually in a right relationship with God, if you're actually uh, in tune with God, if your heart, and, and this is, we're really talking about matters of a heart, and we're talking about what indicates that the right thing is in your heart. If the right thing is in your heart, if the Spirit of God truly resides within you, it will make you care about the people who are less fortunate than you. The people who are living their lives every single day under the gun, the people who are afflicted, the people who are oppressed, the people who are downtrodden, the people who are marginalized every single day, if you have the love of Jesus in your heart, you're going to care about those people. And James tells us, verse, chapter 1, verse 27, and you'll keep yourself unspotted from the world. What does that mean? That means, listen, there's so much wickedness out there, so many things that you can become ensnared with, so many false doctrines, so many things that your flesh would give itself over to if you allowed it to, so many inducements, so many enticements. Keep yourself unspotted. You know what? 
You don't do that by accident. You do that with intentionality. You must have a plan to succeed. Because if you don't have a plan to succeed spiritually, then you have a plan to fail. Does God want your praise? Absolutely. Does God want you to speak the right things and the proper things out of your mouth? Absolutely. But does God want you to have a clean heart? Having a clean heart, my brothers and sisters, is the principal thing. If your heart is right, then all of these other things will follow. But if your heart is not right, and you're doing all of these surface level things, then Jesus has a word for that. He says it's hypocrisy. Do you have good religion? Or are you walking in hypocrisy? My prayer, of course, is that you are walking in genuine faith and that your faith is anchored and rooted in uh, the word of God and that you are aspiring to do the things that please him and not the things that please men. My hope and my prayer is that you are keeping God's word at, at the principal place in life, at the most preeminent place in life, and everyone else's expectations and standards uh, somewhere beneath that. And if by some chance man's standards, whether it be your church, your social organizations, whatever you may be affiliated with, if any of those things contradict God's word, contradicts God's commandments, tells you that you can live the way that you want to live, which is something that is inconsistent with God's word, then you need to leave those things alone. His word is a lamp unto our feet. His words are life because they are spirit. We need, as David said in closing, to hide his words in our hearts that we may not sin against him that we may honor him and please him at all times amen I know that the Lord will add a blessing to the reading and the speaking of his word my friends we're going to pray in just a moment but let me encourage you one more time to join us on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock for our Shabbat prayer and you, the number is appearing in terms of how you can dial in and call in for the Zoom or if you just want to dial in. We really do want to hear from you. We really actually will take the time to speak to you and pray with you and believe you for the things that you need from God. And again, I want to uh, encourage you to put yourself in a position to be blessed by the word and the teaching, the preaching of the word of God, which is done on Thursday nights again at seven o'clock. Our pastor, Pastor Freddie Fillmore Sr. Will you join us? We look forward to hearing from you soon. Now let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's not overly complicated. It simply challenges us to move beyond the surface and to dive into the deep. To search our hearts. And Father, we ask that you turn your your spotlight on our hearts. Uh, at times we can deceive ourselves, but Lord, reveal to us what, what lies deep within our own hearts. 
Father, we give you thanks. We love you. It's true. We genuinely lavish our praise upon you, but we want to reflect that love by how we go out and live our lives. We want to be good ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Now, Lord, bless your people that are hearing this word. Strengthen them. Multiply their substance. Protect them on all sides. Keep them safe from COVID-19, Lord, and from the flu and from all other bacterias and viruses. Put your hedge about them. Send your holy angels uh, out to their houses, to their jobs, to their vehicles as they move about. Be a fortress for your people, Lord. And for those who are ill, Lord, raise them up. And for all that you have done, all the goodness that you have bestowed upon us, through the years, for the good that you are doing right now behind the scenes that we don't know because you're doing it so wonderfully and for the good that you will do. Father, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you were strengthened by the word. If this message touched you in any way, please let us know by reaching out to us online on social media. Also, please share this podcast and help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to our website, acalltofreedom.com, or go through Catch app. We are Freedom FMC. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you until we meet again. Amen. Amen.